Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Peach State Pandemonium, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network, where we take you down memory lane for a look at professional wrestling the way it used to be, with conversations from those who paved the way. And now, the GWH Radio Network presents Peach State Pandemonium. Good evening, and welcome to Peach State Pandemonium for Thursday, February 7th, 2019, which also happens to be my daughter's birthday, so happy birthday to my daughter, Spencer. You know, I don't feel old until I realize she turned 29 today. Uh, I turned 60 10 days ago, and uh, I'm still in shock over that, so... <laughs> my daughter turned forty a couple of weeks ago. Of course, I started having children when I was ten, so you know, <laughs> wasn't too bad. Before we get too deep in this, Mister Oates, uh, I was with Mister uh, Norris there some today, and he told me that he had uh, talked to you and got the report. And I just want to tell you how happy I am for you. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's nothing but a miracle. A miracle. Isn't it but, nice when God does things and all you can do is sit back and go, wow? Uh, that's it. Just, I mean, it's, uh, amen. She had two great great reports this week, so. Good, good, that's, good. Uh, it's just good. unbelievable. Good. Very good. Well, we have had a uh, a rough couple of weeks here, so since the last time we were on the air, uh, to uh, our, our our business has been shaken by the loss of some people, most of, uh, uh, of them, uh, most people out there listening probably aren't familiar with a whole lot of names, but, uh, we're all familiar with them and including the one that we're going to be paying tribute to tonight. But, uh, let's see, help me out, Bobby. We, I think the first one we lost was, uh, um, just skip, totally skipped my mind. Well, uh, I don't know. I don't remember the order. I, uh, fellas, I've had accounting coming up this Saturday. I've had uh, ten funerals in the last three and a half weeks that I've either officiated wow. or attended. Uh, we lost. We lost Mark Grayson. Mark, Mark Grayson. Grayson. That's who I'm thinking of. We lost him. Uh, local uh, announcer, independent announcer. Uh, most everybody around Atlanta knew Mark. Uh, uh, you might not be familiar. Right, you might might not be familiar with him uh, by name, but if you've ever been around the matches, you knew him. We lost Charlie Smith's brother Gene. Um, yeah. He passed away. Uh, Randy Corin, who uh, was jack of all trades for the uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling Office, drove the ring truck, put up the ring, worked the ticket office. Uh, did a did our <laughs> show uh, with us uh, a few years back. Uh, his mother-in-law 
we lost her after she's been battling a, a long illness, so uh, lost her. Uh, we uh, Levi, Levi Banks' wife passed away. Yeah, we, we uh, were on the way back uh, from Levi's, Susie's funeral, when I got home and looked on the internet and found out that uh, we lost Thomas Ivey, who is a uh, subject of our show tonight. Uh, lost, uh, <clears throat> what was the gentleman's name, Chip White, Bobby, you said? Chip White, longtime wrestling fan, great supporter of of, of of the matches when we used to work. Plus, he was a great supporter of the independent scene. Uh, if you went to any of these matches, you saw him and his wife, and uh, he passed away. His memorial services this Saturday. Uh, and then, of course, we lost the great Les Thornton just last Friday. Wow. Yeah, and and and, and Jerry, I know you and uh, you and Ted uh, made the made the rounds with uh, Les and Tony Charles back in '76. Did you realize that Les Thornton was 42 years old when when you guys were working those matches? I I never knew his age or or Tony's. Never. But Les was 84 years old. Uh, he started in 1957, and he um, good lord. He worked. He worked uh, in Europe, all over Europe, under the name of Henri uh, Pierpont, which I guess they were trying to pass him off as French. But uh, but then he didn't. He came to the states in in uh, 1970. Uh, but worked in Calgary, worked in uh, worked in Amarillo, worked in Georgia, um, worked in Florida, worked all over the place before they ever put the, the world uh, junior heavyweight title on him. He was uh, 46 when they put that title on him. Uh, he won it first time in, in 1980, and he held it uh, four times between uh, over the next year and a half, and uh, he had his last match the age of 56 in 1990. But what a tremendous wrestler he was. And, of course, like, yeah, like most uh, English guys, he, he came through the Wigan school and uh, was, was was dangerous. <laughs> he never showed his age. I'll give him credit for that. Okay. Huh. I read an interview and when he... Go ahead, Bob. Somebody posted an interview, which I thought was funny, he uh, he posted. Uh, somebody asked him about the world champions, and he said that he mentioned. And I forget who even it was online, but he he mentioned O'Connor, he mentioned Luthez, he mentioned Kanitsky, he mentioned uh, Funk Jr. And he said, up through that era, he said we had great champions. He even mentioned, he mentioned Harley, but then he got to Terry <clears throat> Funk, and he said. This is when we started having the goofball champions, and that was his words, not <laughs> yeah. mine. But the funny he thing about it was, it. I've been I've been been going through my pictures, and uh, I've been trying to digitize my what action shots I have over the years of, of me that I've collected. And and it was funny after reading that, I found a picture of me raising Terry Funk's hand on Atlanta TV and the guy on the other side of the ring on one knee is Les Thornton. So I thought, I'm sure that thrilled him to death. Don't you know? <laughs> on that satellite. <laughs> uh, 
He was. He was. Uh, what was he like to work with, Jerry? Uh, you know, he'd work either side when he got ready. Not much he could do about it. <laughs> yes, he, but, uh, he did what he wanted. He was easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You, you you didn't buck less, you know. Uh, I didn't enjoy their style. My brother didn't care, but I didn't. You know, they uh. He get out there and do all that stuff with him, that English stuff, and that wasn't my my style really. But they we had great matches with him, you know, good matches I'll say. Yes, you know, did. great big word, but yeah, we had some good matches with him. I know we uh, worked with him on a Sunday afternoon in Columbus, and we worked with him uh, in Atlanta at the Omni that night. I don't I, I don't know if it was a Sunday or a hol- it had to have been a holiday. And uh, Tony tore his bicep in Columbus, and we didn't know it during the match. And then uh, he worked that night with torn bicep. Tony did. Mm-hmm. I never forget that. I wasn't responsible for that. I hope. We were yeah, able to work against each other. Six to seven, Tony, we went two or three. We went through a two or three weeks, two or three month stretch where. They booked them against each other. And most of the spot shows and, and even some of the, the bigger shows, they would book them against each other on the first or second match. And normally they would, they would go 15, 20 minutes through. And they had worked together so much, we were sitting in the dressing room one night, and Les looked at me and he went, well, tonight's your match. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, you're going to call it. He said, if you don't call it, we're going to lay on the mat all night. And he began to let me call their high spots. And and that is how I guess what little I know, that's how I learned to kind of think through what you need to do to kind of have some continuity to a match. And it was because those two guys gave me the liberty. And if I call something stupid, they would look at me and go, now think about this, you know. And they would tell me later, you know, why you didn't want to do that. So it was, yeah, they were, they were both just super nice guys. They were. Yeah, I, 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 yeah uh, I, I was going to say, I guess I should uh, introduce ourselves to those who have, who normally don't listen to our show that may have, have, have tuned in. My name is Michael Norris, and, and I am joined by my uh, regular co-host, Bobby Simmons and Jerry Oates, and we have two special guests with us tonight. Uh, Don Sanders is on the line with us. Greg Brown's on the line with us, and we're going to talk about... Uh, a guy you guys all knew much better than I did. I only had the pleasure of, of meeting him a couple of times, and I, I was already out of the business by the time he came along. But uh, a gentleman that we lost a couple of weeks ago, uh, Thomas Ivy, who uh, hey Mike, should yeah, we sir. do a disclaimer? That Jerry Oates is responsible for these other two guys. We didn't have nothing to do with it. Big ass Jerry's not sitting right next to you. Get a big elbow right now. <laughs> well, oh. com- considering that Jerry also uh, introduced Otis Sistrunk to the business, I think he oh did pretty God. good with these two. Yeah, yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, he did. Thanks Thanks for that. in that great company right there. <laughs> I never, I never worked with these two, but I worked with Otis. So, so oh, Lord, it, don't, it didn't take much to elevate yourself. <laughs> <laughs> he was, well, that was just else. a deal. 
that was just a deal to capitalize on who he was and his name. You know, but yeah, that wasn't yeah. Otis's fault. That, I mean, it really wasn't, you know. Well, around the same time, guy. or maybe a, maybe a little ahead of him, didn't Ernie Banks come through here? Wasn't the uh, wasn't he a boxer, Ernie Banks? That came through. No, Ernie not Ernie Banks. Ernie, 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 Ernie baseball player. Ernie Shaver. Yes, Ernie, Ernie Shaver. That's who. They, Ernie Shaver. Ernie well, Shaver. what about the guy Walter Johnson? Wasn't Walter Johnson in the business for a little while or something? Well, Y'all remember? Well, he actually Walter well, actually lasted. Five or six years, yeah. He, uh, Walter he, played I guess, uh, yeah, played with the Cleveland. I think he knew Ron Pritchard somehow or another, and yeah. he, uh, um, he worked mainly for the Sheik because he, uh, you know, Cleveland, that, that Cleveland area was part of Sheik's territory at the time, so he had a bit of a name there. I think he right. wound up in Los um, Angeles, and they actually put, put him on top in Los Angeles. Yeah, well, that's, that's, that's that was the dying days when they had nobody left there. But that's yeah. what I was going to say. It's about I think anybody was on top out there then, right? Yeah, I think their top top people were Walter, uh, whatever his name was, and uh, Tom Dabo. Pritchard. And Tom Pritchard had been in yeah. Tom, Tom Pritchard had been in that business about uh, about a year. Now I think Chavo had already was gone from there, and he was he was in Houston pretty much full time by that by the time the L.A. territory finally gassed his last breath. The yeah, uh, the main uh, heel was uh, like a fifty year old Victor Rivera, John Tolos, who was probably pushing sixty at that point. Yeah, you know, I want to say uh, Adrian Street had to run out there about when they were closing up. Adrian and no, Adrian was a little a little before then. He was, I think, Adrian was out there about because uh, that was his first territory when he came to the states, and he okay. was a lot like uh, we're talking about John, uh, Les Thornton. Adrian had been wrestling for twenty years in in England and in the rest of Europe before he ever hit the states, and he was yeah, in he his forties when he hit the states as well. Yeah, he was wow. a tough guy. I saw that firsthand. In Shreveport, one day, he got cute. Mike Jackson got cute with him, and I like Mike and everything. But uh, he came to that dressing room, lit him up from from everybody because he wasn't selling his uh, that European uppercut. Boy, he he gave him a couple of them right in the dressing room in front of everybody. We were like, nobody said a word. You know, they had all those killers sitting there too, Steve uh, Williams and all. And nobody got up. Nobody said nothing. And Bill Dundee was like. Now you learned. <laughs> so, yeah, he's a, he's a stand-up guy. But anyway, since uh, since you trained Thomas Jerry, give us a little background on him. I know he was he wrestled in, in college um, and uh, grew up in Columbus, and so was was a was a local local guy there. So did he approach you as far as getting into the business? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, Thomas wound up working at the gym with us for a long time. And uh, he uh, he wrestled at Columbus High School. Thomas was a pretty good uh, pretty good amateur wrestler. He, he really was. He had some real pretty stuff. And uh, I, I don't know if Greg and Thomas came by together, or how that actually we did. transpired. Greg probably remembers. Yeah, we did. Um, 
Thomas and I lived in the same neighborhood. <clears throat> we had a couple of streets separated our houses, and uh, my next door neighbor went to school with him. And long story short, he was over at his house one day, and <clears throat> the neighbor knew I liked wrestling, and Thomas wrestled, and I wrestled in high school, so we was talking, and Thomas said, uh, oh, he said, you know, by the way, he said, uh, I've been working out with those brothers. I said, realize I just went by the other day. That's, that's when Sharon Taylor at the cleanup shop. He said, I said, let's them look at my car. He said, well, I got sick and I had to stop. He said, but I'm going back. He said, matter of fact, you want to go with me? I said, sure. So we went up there that afternoon and Sharon uh, Taylor came. We walked in the building. We just talked to uh, Thomas said, uh, y'all still working out? Jerry said, yeah. He said, can we come work out with you? Jerry said, yeah, be here tonight at 7 o'clock. So we showed up at 7 o'clock and we were working out upstairs. And so about halfway through the workout, Thomas said, oh, hey, man, he said, we want to wrestle. Nobody said nothing. So he said it again. He said, hey, we want to wrestle. Jerry said, you guys don't want to wrestle. So yeah, we want to wrestle. Said, okay. He said, be here every night to work out and we'll see. That's what he said. We'll see. That was in August of 79. In, and I want to say, April or May of the next year, he told Thomas, and Thomas was a big-time athlete at Columbus High, he said, see if you can get some mats. And he got some, and that's where we started. And we worked out on Wednesdays and Saturdays, Wednesday evenings and Saturday afternoons. And we took backdrops, suplexes. We did some oh. flips off of ladders. I mean, I it was <laughs> It was a long time before we got in the ring, but uh, that's how we that's how we got started. Yeah, I remember then my little self pulled in up there, and I started working out there, and uh, you guys had already started. And Jerry, I got in line one night. They were working out, and they let me stay. And I they were doing snap marriage or something one night, and I got in line. Jerry was like, what are you doing in line? I said, I want to know how to wrestle, too. Snap married me, and about snap married me out of my tennis shoes, and I was like, they said, you got to learn how to land. It's going to hurt you every time. And so then I just kind of wormed my way in there. And next thing you know, I was catching on to what was going on. And I remember, Greg, you remember we had a, and Jerry, you remember we had a group of guys. And they were fairly big guys, tough guys. But once they got a bunch of those slams and backdrops and stuff, they slowly started going by the wayside. David Williams, uh, Jerry Fountain, uh, I can't remember who else was in there, but those back body slams, they started leaving, like dropping like flies, like, yeah, and they didn't want no more of that action. But, they went and bought me a, a bottle of champagne and said, oh, we appreciate it, and we'll see you later. They never came back. <laughs> not, that, not for that. They worked out. Right, they That's right. Yeah, um, yeah. It was. Uh, but, but Thomas was, uh, he was, I mean, he was a. Uh, General Giant, I guess you could say. I mean, but exactly. he was big exactly. and he was agile. He was strong, and he was. guys used to come up there, man. He'd slam guys, man. He'd just take their breath out of him when he slammed them. He was, he was quick. Arm drags, arm drags. Oh, oh my God! Good night. <laughs> Thomas would arm drag, and I mean, he used to, I was but about. I just lost a bunch of. I was about 170 pounds. Thomas would arm drag me, and I'd go flying about 20 feet. Slide off the mat and <laughs> he was a gentle giant. I'm glad you said that. He really was. And 
promise I'd go back and shoot with him sometime. He'd teach me, you know, and help me out. You know, a lot of times he'd let me take him down just so I'd get on him. And then he'd come to his feet and reverse it and just lock me up in something I couldn't do. Couldn't move or do anything, you know. You know, after a little while, I could I could hang with him a little bit. But Thomas was a shooter. Thomas, I mean, he knew how to shoot. He could go as far as amateur yeah. style. He was really good. Yeah. Guys, I'm about to make you all feel real old. I just came across this card right here from February 7th, 1987, Chattanooga, Tennessee, Deep South Championship Wrestling. It's 32 years ago. Opening match, Crazy Luke Graham versus Greg Brown. Uh, ladies match, Joyce Grable versus Terry Shane. Uh, third match, Randy Rose versus Thomas Ivey. The Masked Nightmares, which I'm assuming was, was Ted Allen and uh, Billy Starr, Starr versus Ranger Ross and Don Sanders. Sanders right. uh, the Assassin number one, I, since this was Jody's promotion, I, I guess that was Jody uh, versus Grizzly Boone. Semi-final, and Jerry, you're going to have to explain this one. Jerry Oates versus Mr. Wrestling number two. Who was healing in that? Neither one. But, you know, Jody ran Chattanooga. I don't even remember that. Yeah, yeah he ran there a couple of times. Remember, Jerry, he was uh, – because when we first started going up there, I was working as either Spoiler or Super Destroyer because they put me with Johnny for about a month up there. I don't remember. I, I honestly don't, I don't remember. And then the main event on this card was was Tommy Ridge versus Mike Golden. Thirty two years ago. God. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't remember. Wow. I don't either. Well, thinking out of all you that card you just gave, the only guy that had a night off was Greg Brown because he was working with Luke Graham. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Luke was so, Luke was so easy to work with, man. He, he was. He, he was, was so really laid was. back. He was the only guy. I can honestly say this. He's the only guy in the business. I wanted him to have a drink before we went to the ring, because yeah, he calmed him down. Amen, Bobby Simmons. <laughs> calmed him down. Yeah, he was, he was easy. Awesome, he was, he's a guy to work with. You know something about Luke and rest in peace. We were in the dressing room one night and Carrollton MTV and. Uh, some of you, one of the young guys was complaining back there about Luke, saying, oh, I got to, you know, wrestle Luke and blah, blah, blah. That old man don't do nothing. Blah, blah. And, I, and that made me angry because I always respected my elders, you know. And I said, let me ask you something. I can't remember who it was. So I said, where do you think you're going to go into business? That guy's already main evented in Madison Square Garden, <laughs> the Olympic. <laughs> and and, and uh, where do you think you're going to wind up when you're his age in the business? You think you're going to do all that? And they didn't say nothing. I was like, yeah, you better respect these guys because they're helping us. We were in a spot show one night, and he was working with Ray Candy. And uh, we were in a National Guard Armory. I can remember this just like it was last night. There was a guy sitting on the back. You know, all the seats in an armory are basically on the floor. There was a guy sitting on the back row, and he weighed about 450 pounds. He was a big fella. And Luke was doing the crazy stuff, and the guy was hollering at him, and Luke was hollering back at him. And they went on and worked a little bit. And I looked out there and I told Luke, I said, watch that guy. I said, he moved up about halfway. So we did something else. And Luke did the crazy thing again. And the guy was hollering at him. Next thing I know, the guy's sitting on the front row. 
And uh, I walked over and I buzzed Luke. I said, hey, the guy's on the front row. I said, you need to keep an eye on him. Well, he loaded the gimmick and hit Candy with the thumb. And Candy's laying face down with his head facing the bat. And Luke went over to the ropes. And he sat down on the rope and pushed the top rope up and motioned for the guy to come in the ring. I walked over and tapped him on the shoulder. And I said, excuse me. I said, "Uh, this really ain't none of my business. I said, but it could become my business in just a few minutes here. I said, what are we going to do if that big rascal comes up here? And he looked at me just as serious. He said, make sure we don't have a double knockout going out the other side. Getting back to Thomas, there's two stories I want to tell about him. Uh, he, uh, I got him booked in Japan, and uh, so he goes to Japan. So I forgot what day he left. So about the next, about whenever it was, a day later, because it's what thirteen hours difference depends when it is. But my phone rang about four o'clock in the morning, four thirty, four o'clock in the morning. So who's calling me at this time of the morning? And it was Thomas. I said, "Hello." He said, "Jerry." I said, "Yeah, who is this?" He says, "Thomas." He said, he's dead. I said, Thomas, what are you, I mean, he's in Japan, you know, it's his first night, first, uh, he spent the night, then, you know, the next afternoon. I said, what are you talking about, Thomas? He said, he's dead. And that's when David Ron Eric did his thing. And I no, said, who's dead, dead, Thomas? He said, David Ron Eric. And then he told me that, you know, he didn't come down to get on the bus for the first night to go to TV there in Tokyo. And I think Joe Gucci went up to get him to see what the deal was. And he, Joe went up and knocked on the door. So he goes down there and gets a, you know, desk clerk to go upstairs. And they opened the room. There he was. Mm. So that's, that's uh, heck of a way the first time to go to Japan. And they said he went to his room that night and they never saw him all day, you know, the next day. And that's when that was. And then another story with Thomas. Thomas and Greg and I were coming back. Greg may remember the town. It don't matter. We get to Manchester, Georgia, so I thought 35 miles or so out of Columbus. And Greg and I come up. And all of a sudden, that moon come up, and it was blood red. I'd never seen yeah, that in my life. Now, I'm, talking about, I'm not just talking about red. It, was, it looked like blood. blood. It did. Greg and it I did. staring at that thing. And then, you know, and Thomas swears that he never saw it. I think Thomas didn't want to see it. Yeah, I don't know how he <laughs> missed it. I don't know how he, he missed said, it. I don't know either, but that was. We had a lot of fun trips with Thomas on the road. He, he, he was. He really was uh, he was. I got one I want to tell too, but I got to clean it up. <laughs> you know what it is, don't you? I, I do. him, and, know. him and him and Thomas and Greg went to work for Charlie Smith up in Cumming, Georgia. And for you, oh, for Lord. you, for you folks that aren't familiar with Cumming, Georgia, uh, it was uh, up until, I mean, within the last twenty years, there was a sign there that had a racial epitaph on the sign. It said. Don't let the sun go down on you in this county or in this town. I mean, it was bad. First time we ever ran it from the wrestling office, they told us not to bring Abdullah up there. 
or he wouldn't get out of there alive. I mean, they they warned us. So these two guys go up there to work for Charlie Smith. Charlie told me, I don't know if it was Greg or Thomas, asked one of the state troopers, said, where's all the brothers Thomas. at? Thomas asked, where's all the brothers at? <laughs> the cop told him, said, y'all the only two in this county. When the show was over, they got their stuff and they're walking outside and Charlie done buzzed the state trooper what he's going to do. Charlie was in outside. He jumped up and shot his pistol straight up in the air, used the racial epitaph and hollered, there they are. <laughs> they said Greg Thomas dove under a Toyota and said Thomas was so big, he almost lifted the Toyota off the ground. He was crawling it up. Was Thomas, it was, it was Thomas' car. Oh, was it Thomas' t- car? It was his car. I, I tell you what, that, that, that same, that same, uh, that's, that same, yeah, that same state trooper escorted us back to Fulton County. Sure yeah, he sure did. Yeah. Mm. People, people, they came back, back the next day and told me. I said, I told y'all to stay out from up there. Hey, I'm gonna tell you, <laughs> people that don't people that don't believe that. The first time we ever ran that town, I took the ring up there, and me and me and Randy Corin went to a little cafe on the square. And we were sitting there, and, of course, I was just crazy enough I was going to mess with somebody. I walked over to this young deputy sheriff sitting there eating, and I said, excuse me, sir. I said, my name is Bobby Simmons. I'm with Georgia Championship Wrestling. I said, we wanted to hand out some some discount passes. I said, can you tell me uh, where the blacks hang out up here? And he looked at me, and he was as serious as a heart attack. He said, the last one we had hanging around here was in that tree right over by the courthouse. Good and I said, yes, sir, and I went back and sat down. <laughs> well, you know, that's how bad it was up there. I went back up there when uh, we worked for Jerry Blackwell. This was right after Oprah Winfrey had went. And uh, I think I was on the second match. When I got through, I went to the dressing room. I changed room. I was standing outside the dressing room door, and this lady came up to me. And she said, I enjoyed your match. Thanks for coming, and please come again. I said, thank you, ma'am. Yeah, but it was no you problem. You told me they pretty nice. But yeah, it, you know, it, it, it was something else. Yeah, it, uh, was, was no place getting around up there. I mean, there was no about that. When you guys worked up there, was Junior Samples ever up there? Not when I was. I don't there. remember him, Bobby. Yeah, I don't remember him, Bobby. I went there. up there one night for Smitty ran it, and I went up there under a hood and worked. And I worked with Ted Allen, and uh, Smitty told us he said, you know, we need fifteen, twenty minutes, and I said, okay, you know. I'm smart enough to know how to get 15, 20 minutes to sit on my butt. So I I hip-tossed him and put a short-arm scissors on him. Where I'm laying down, he's laying down. And I told Dad, I said, just sell it, brother. So we kept messing around and messing around. And Junior Samples was on the front row. And I forget <laughs> what happened, but Smitty was referee, and he got tickled. And I was under that mask, and I told Smitty, I says, you know, there's 10,000 comedians out of work like this guy right here on the front row, and you're up here trying to be funny. Son, he come out of the chair going for a pocket knife. I told Smitty, I said, don't you let that man get in here on me. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what you saw on TV is what you got. That wasn't no act. <laughs> be on a 549. Ooh. Goodness. Well, I, I've I'm got just, a couple of, 
I got a couple of funny stories about Thomas. One was we used to go to Union Springs, Alabama, to work for Dick Steinborn, and Dickie had advertised in his you know wrestling uh, a magazine. This is the strongest ring in wrestling, the strongest. So that lasted about a good forty minutes because Thomas, I think, was on the third match. And whoever he was working with, he slammed Thomas, and that whole ring went flat. It just destroyed <laughs> 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 it just it destroyed that credibility right there. <laughs> and another story: we were down in uh, we were doing TV. We used to do TV every morning. We worked for Angarco, uh down at Valdosta, and uh, I think it was. Tommy, it was Thomas, Tommy Rich, and somebody else was working a six-man tag. And there's some kid, he was new. Well, the finish was, was supposed to be some anyway. Thomas slammed this kid, and he never moved. He, well, he slammed, picked him, him, up and slammed him That guy stayed there. And that wasn't that he just had to go on and cover him because we never saw him again. That's he was scared he'd do it to him again. He got up. <laughs> <laughs> He's in a nursing home. <laughs> Thomas could snatch you out of your boots if he wanted to. You know, he was that strong. Oh, yeah. yeah, he was. I mean, he, he could. I mean, Thomas could really hurt somebody if he was trained down or something. You know, he just didn't he know. He used to do a thing called He used to do that Japanese wizard. Oh, oh, that was like a that was like a blur. It, it was just oh my goodness. He was, uh, yeah, he was, he he was. Uh, Thomas was always the same. Had a great personality, you know. Oh yeah. All the years at the gym, everybody loved Thomas. And he, he was. Yep. He was. Uh, he was just part of Oak's gym. That's you know. Yep. He, he had, was there a long time. He had a he had a good always had a smile on his face, always something funny to say or. Keep you laughing, you know. A lot of nights in those cars, you know, you're trying to keep laughing. Thomas and Greg and me just in there cutting up, or Thomas and me and Greg and Jerry, whoever. Thomas would just say, remember playing the name game, Greg and Jerry? And Thomas would just break out some name. <laughs> it's ridiculous. The bomber. Oh, yeah. Or. <laughs> just start laughing. Who are you talking about, Thomas? You know the guy. He was just so funny. He would just say something to make you take off laughing, and he just want to come back. Oh yeah. <laughs> but you know, they, the three of them, they, you know, they never really ventured off. You know that they got in the business when it was the tire was going flat on it. You know. They came along two yeah. years too late. <clears throat> yeah. Too late. Too late. It was. You know, too late. too late. But we still had fun, and I had a good time. And I'm gonna tell you, I enjoyed every mile I spent with Jerry, Thomas, Greg in that car. We had a good time, no matter where we went. We laughed the whole way up, the whole way back, you know. And so I'm grateful to Jerry. You know, we experienced something together, and you know, it's, the wrestling business is probably one of the most unique businesses ever invented. You know. And you just find a spot to fit in or plug in and, and then enjoy the ride, you know. And it, it, it's like um, it, it takes a special person kind of to, to catch 
to what's going on to get on and understand, you know, the business. You know, a lot of guys are in and out, in and out, and they never catch on. I was talking to Joe Hamilton the other day about that. He said, you know, but once you catch on, and Thomas caught on, Greg caught on, Greg, you know, we had a good schooling. I mean, I wouldn't change a thing. We got trained by the best. <clears throat> and well, they, our fundamentals they, were as good or better than anybody else. Oh, yeah. Well, they y'all us, y'all they never, us, evidently never read any reviews by Frank Kiki before y'all signed on. Yeah. <laughs> I, saw, so I saw a picture of him that I've never seen today on Facebook. I don't appreciate that, Bobby. So <laughs> What'd you say? I well, saw that too with the with the space mask helmet on or whatever. Or the yeah, I never seen. I never. Well, he had that on when I worked with him, but I've never seen a picture of him with it on. Yeah, and and you know it's funny. You know, I mean, the guy was. Everybody I've ever talked to about him talked about what a what a great guy he was. You know, well he trained Ernesto. I mean he evidently knew something, but he right. knew something. He was he yeah. was in his own world. Yeah. But he was so he's a nice guy. I felt sorry for the guy, you know. Um but he, he was a nice man. He was he was a super nice man. Yeah. Well you know Until I hooked up with him. <laughs> you know, you know what you talking about Talking about older people, though. But I mean, he had been around. He'd made the loop. Like he'd worked in New York, hadn't he? He'd worked in. Oh, he'd been around for years. He he worked they, all over the place. In fact, if you go on YouTube and type in uh, Bozo Brown versus Jimmy Graham, there's a match from Chicago from probably '51, maybe '52 at the latest. Bozo Brown is Frank Hickey, and Jimmy Graham is Dr. Jerry Graham, with still with dark hair. And uh, Graham's wow. a working baby face. He's probably 220 pounds, kind of, you know, thin, dark hair. And, and right. uh, Hickey is Bozo Brown, which is a name he used for many years. Um, right. He's working heel, and uh, it's, a, it's a great match. Uh, he he probably didn't improve much, Jerry, before when you locked him. <laughs> but you know he was all you know just stomp and kick type thing. But it's a great match. And but yeah, he had, he had been around for for a long time. Bill Bowman was knew him pretty well, and he used to talk about him. He was a he was a a, a nut about circus and carnivals. Uh, collected all kind of of uh, you know he'd buy you know cars off of, of some of the rides and he, he had basically what could have been a museum of, of all kind of circus and gimmick and uh carnival gimmicks and i don't know if he ever you know worked in a carnival as far as carnival wrestling or anything like that but i i have a suspicion he might have um just from from the way people talk about him you know and some of the things he used to say uh, you know, he he was always, and I'm sure he probably said it about about Jerry too when he locked up with him. He green as a pepper tree. <laughs> I liked it until I locked up with him. That was great. <laughs> we were in good standing until uh, we locked up. <laughs> he um, he used to carry carry armloads of newspapers in the dressing room and, and put them all over the dressing room floor. You know, looking out for the boys so they wouldn't get athletes. Uh, foot, and I guess that was back in the days before shower shoes. But yeah. he uh, he was just uh, you know 
but yeah, that that whole spaceman. I've, I've got pictures of him in, in uh, midget race cars and with uh, airplanes, old bomber, World War II bombers, and stuff like that. And he just he was was just a, a curious guy about stuff. But uh, at Bowman used to tell some funny stories about it. Bill you told know, me that he would show you. He he would show, he would raise the trunk on his car, and he would have. They would it would just be packed solid with boxes of different things, and he would take it all out and set it on the floor. And he, and he, he would, said he would teach you how to how to load your trunk for maximum capacity. So he put all that stuff back in the trunk. He had a certain way everything laid. But he was just yeah he was. He made a work for Delta Airlines as a cargo handler or something. Yes, sir. <laughs> a cargo or a baggage handler. Oh man, <laughs> he'd be like the champion, champion, champion packer. You know the, the uh, business. Oh, go ahead, Jerry. The, the uh, you know, looking back since you mentioned it about me and uh, me and uh, the spaceman, somebody else said that to me. I hooked up with him one time. First time I ever worked with him was Rip Rogers. I don't know where we were. Like that. Somewhere in Georgia. I hooked up with that man, and that man said, I don't work like that. He was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> that, well, that, no, you talk about that, that joker. He was something. He was, he was, he was something else. It's, he probably never met up with Jar, Don Jardine in his travels. <sighs> oh, oh, woo. I never had that pleasure. Well, you, you I worked with, so work with Jordy one time. That was enough, wasn't it? Oh my gosh! That guy, that guy, he was. Uh, you go to turn back from, he wouldn't even come out of the corner and all that stuff. You know, he was a jerk. Yeah, I mean, he, he was. was with you. You had to, you had to, you had to let him know you wasn't going to take it, and then he'd work with you. But if you, if you let him get away with some of that crap. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a lot of them like that. Brody yeah, like that. I was going to say, Jerry, Jerry, there's a lot of them probably like that. They try to bully you around until you said, hey, they ain't fishing to work with me, you know, and you start laying them in or whatever. Uh, like, you know, Jerry always, this Jerry, you remember, you used to always tell me, don't kick a guy in the head when he's down on all fours. There's no need to kick, kick him in the ribs or, you know, give him a boot in the shoulder or something. Don't kick a guy in the head. You know, Dale Beasy kicked me in the head one night somewhere up in Fort Payne, Alabama, I think. And I this registered with me right then because, I mean, he kicked me and I was on all fours. Man, I come up and grabbed Dale, and I nailed him. And I was like, no. I, you know what I mean? Because I knew that. Oh, you ain't fixing to kick me in my head like that. You kick me in the ribs or the back or whatever. But they don't need to kick me in the head. I never mm-hmm. like that. They don't kick me in the head anymore. <laughs> this this doesn't have anything to do with anything. But did any of you guys see that uh, that video somebody posted on Facebook about the guy that I don't know where they were working. They were probably in front of a crowd of ten or twelve people. But he laid this guy across a table, climbed up up to the <clears throat> some sort of catwalk or I something in his building, jumped off of him and missed the table completely. That was bad enough, but the worst part of that was the guy on the table, who the guy never touched, rolled off the table and sold it. 
Jesus, well, I think you. he saw that guy go by and couldn't believe it. Me. <laughs> <laughs> I saw that. Well, maybe, maybe, what he was, that maybe he wasn't selling it. Maybe he was laying on the floor holding his side laughing. I don't know. But yeah. I, I don't know what happened to that guy. Do you? No. no. I've never seen anything. That was worse than, than Foley coming off that cage and off that cage. In New York, I yeah. I'll, I'll tell you something else, yeah. too. Can you, you know, I, I've known Jerry Oates a long time. There's something tells me I can't see Jerry laying on the table while a guy climbed the fire escape and waiting I on can't. him to get up there and then laying there for the guy to jump. Where he hit me or not. The, the I, I don't no understand way. these people. I mean, I just... I just I would say one of those legs to go through my back or something, you know. I oh, mean, you got to be an idiot. That's you, just I mean, exactly. You you have no talent, and you you. I mean, the worst thing I ever heard on this show we do is when Bo James told me about them guys with the weed eaters. With the weed eaters, yes. <laughs> I thought that was a joke. When I got off to here that night. I went flying in there to the computer and pulled that up. I watched about three minutes of it. I almost puked. I couldn't believe that there's somebody that stupid. Bo has sent me stuff with guys using box openers. I mean, there's some nuts out there. I mean, there's just, you know. When I pulled that up, I thought it was a joke. Let me me go. Let me throw one other thing at you while I'm thinking about it. Y'all mentioned Thomas slamming that guy on that Valdosta TV. Yeah. Jerry, you might remember this because you was probably his tag partner. We had a little old guy working. He'd come in and do jobs on that TV for us. He was a little bitty skinny fella. He probably didn't weigh buck 50, had on long pants. Didn't have, I mean, he was just thin as a pencil. And Ted was using that DDT for a finish. <laughs> And he hit that boy with that DDT on TV, and I thought his shoes come off of him. And we, we didn't see him no more after that day either. I was in the, I was in the control room. He hit that boy, and I just stood there looking at it. I thought, my God, he's dead. Besides Jake, Ted did it better than anybody. Oh. He did. He did. You know, I never tried that with anybody. I thought I'd kill him. Oh. Mm. Greg, Greg, you you remember us doing making, we had switched over and we're doing making TV. I don't know if it was for Oli or for Ann. Then we do making TV. It was was for Oli going to Cox Cable. Yeah, we never did. We did one one taping at Cox Cable for for Ann. Yeah. Yeah. We did one and taping like down there. We had that was the day Dandy Jack was there. Right. It seemed like Ted. It was uh, Greg. Then you and Thomas. Uh, I was refereeing then, and you and Thomas had like first match and supposed to be seven or eight, go seven or eight, something like that. And Thomas sucked the car, did something that day, and it was over. Because I had to count no, the guy out. It, it, it was supposed to be a. That's your guy to headlock and shoot him off with. That was the second spot. I did the first spot, but when Thomas saw me snatch that headlock, he took it home and he clotheslined that guy. He did a great tore that guy's head off. <laughs> <laughs> I knocked the guy out. 
and I didn't have no choice but to turn him out. And we went yeah, back and we saying because we had all that time on TV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, what we're going to do now, Thomas? What we're going to do now? I got like four minutes left. It was like the first two minutes of the match. I got four minutes to fill. Can you fill four more minutes? Oh, let him have it. But I mean, you know, no, back then. Thomas you, threw, the, Thomas threw that clothesline like uh, a Hanson. Ooh, yeah. Oh, Lord. Good. Yeah. Well, yeah whatever you do, don't crisscross with him. Because if you slow up, you're going to wind up about three rows ringside. Don't that's think right. you wouldn't. I mean, he would have fell off them ropes. My gosh. Because back then, he was about 300 pounds. Yeah. Jerry, you'll have to get Greg um, to tell you. But you would you would have thoroughly enjoyed Thomas's memorial service when his pastor sure. got up to deliver the union. Oh, yeah. That was oh, the yeah. funniest thing. He started talking about Georgia Championship Wrestling, and I thought, God, yeah. please don't let him recognize me. And Smitty, he might—he probably hated us. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he named—he he named everybody on the uh, that would ever work for Seaway. He named them all. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> he did. Talked about when he was a little boy down here in Arkansas. Said he used to take water hoses and find four trees, and he'd stretch yeah. water hose around the four trees. Said he wanted to be a wrestler. <laughs> You know, I've never heard of that. That's, that's a heck of a thing. Yeah, I hate it. I mean, that was just, that was impossible for me to be there, and I, I just, I hated it. How's it? I mean, Jerry, how's everything going at home? Good. Good, good. as it can be that's, for now. That's right. Yeah, it's, it was but, a good, uh, yeah it was, I mean, there was, there, was, there was just no way I couldn't. Yeah. It was a good home yeah. going service. It really was. It, it was. was. I mean, if you just uh, got a chance to see him, Miss Ivy put him away nicely. He had a nice blue suit and she had a tam on him and his glasses. But he looked, he looked. I mean, he looked rested. He didn't look. Well, like he looked rested. He did. He looked. Last rested. time, really did. Last time when I saw, <clears throat> I saw him at Christmas, Thomas didn't weigh but 160 pounds. But he looked better the last time I saw him. And he sat up and we laughed and we talked and. We talked about the yeah. leap for life up in Chattanooga. He, we laughed about that. Remember when I jumped over that thing in Chattanooga? Skimmed my oh, face yeah. Oh, no, we, laughed <laughs> we laughed about that. We laughed about the other stuff, cleaning the cars. You know, it was a good education what we got there because, you know, you want to wrestle, you got to clean some cars in the day, and then we'll wrestle at night, you know, or sometimes it rains. And we talked about all that, and Thomas backdropping me through the Remember my feet getting hung up in the bar joist up there. Thomas will push you like a, like you come out of a cannon. And uh, oh yeah, he's he. But <laughs> no, God, it's one we did not there. It's the one we did that. You know, I had not, the last time I saw Thomas, Greg was when was it? It's been a few years. Was it Brad Armstrong's funeral? When you yeah. guys walked up in the parking lot, I didn't know who he was. He had lost so much weight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it was that I mean, just, yeah. Ah. Yep. But he did look good. He did look good. Man, yep. it seems like the good ones are young because you know Brad. I like I like <clears> the heck out of Brad too. Brad was another one. Every time you saw him, you got a good. You know, you're gonna get some good laughs. Uh, he's gonna be up about something, you know. And uh, I saw yeah. Brad probably about a month before he passed away up at Jody's school. I went up there. and uh, Jody uh, talked to him and said, come up and see me. So I went up there and saw him at school and Brad and just – actually, I think they just hired Brad to be in there with Tom Pritchard and be one of the trainers, and he got a job. And 
course, Brad had had a kid and everything, and uh, I saw Brad. We talked about old times, and we talked about him and Ted doing all those high spots. Ted was driving crazy with them high spots. But uh, they did them, too. God, they were two that clicked good together. But uh, I was glad I got to see him. But it's just it's a shame that the good ones, you know, seems like the good ones do die young. And Thomas was a good one. There's no doubt about it. He was a good one. He was a good one. Well, I know one thing. When we were training Thomas, he never slammed me. I know Dickie, uh, my ex-brother-in-law, brought some guys from Alabama and he had trained, you know, he <clears> brought them over there. Uh, and so he wanted to see, you know, how his guys were doing, so... I don't know. We worked out about how long, Greg? Three hours? At least three hours. That's on a Sunday afternoon, about three hours. I had to, I had to ring in the gym at the time. And uh, so we got through, and uh, he called me and my brother out, outside, and he said, well, I just want to let y'all know y'all like talk to the teacher. I said, <laughs> and I said well, we know that. <laughs> I mean, because, I mean, we, I mean well, you know, when we – if we train somebody or I train somebody, it, you know, I didn't want anybody to go out there and using my name that I trained them and they wasn't ready. I mean, that was wrong to the person that was being trained. Right. I mean, right. exactly. teach them a headlock or, or a hammerlock or none of that. I mean, it, it wasn't none of that. I mean, it was, it was right. over yeah. and over and over. <clears throat> I, I know they hated me. I know they hated me for it, but. And then sitting here as we're talking, why have I had all these surgeries and they hadn't? Did they do something to me? Did they do something to me? I can't say, you know, they taught us the little things that, you know, guys just don't teach. You know, they just don't teach guys. That's right. Little things that made a difference. And I can remember Mm -hmm. uh, down at Cox TV for for Ole, and I worked with DBIC. He came in that morning. He was sick. I mean, he was sick as a dog. He, and he was in a corner, had a suit on. And they kept looking at him. And I think he was gonna, we were going to be on the first match on the second tape. And they come to him and they said, you, you're going to be okay? You He said, I'll be ready. So he finally got dressed. And we went probably about, I don't know, five or six minutes. And we was up and down and up and down. And, man, those guys, the other guys that were there, they come to me and say, man, how long have you been doing this? How long have you been working? How long? And I said, well, you know, not too long. And, they actually they offered me a job. Root came to me, and Bibiasi uh, came to me. But at the time, I was I was selling insurance in the daytime, and you know, I was just wrestling part. And that was good for me, you know. That was that was good for me. But uh, it just goes to show you that we learn the way Jerry taught us. You know, he just taught us how to how to conduct yourself in the dressing room when you go. You know, uh, how, you know the first keep your mouth closed. Jerry- you know, that's it. The first lesson I ever learned that Jerry told me, because I went down to Shreveport, Louisiana, with all them killers the first time I went out. Jerry said, let me tell you something. When you get down there, keep your mouth shut unless somebody talks to you. Because them guys been on the road all week. They done, done about 3,000 miles. They don't want to hear your crap. Keep your mouth shut right. and you do what they that's tell you to do, and you'll be all right. And that's the best advice I ever got in the wrestling business. Keep yeah, your mouth shut and do what they ask you to do. And I, I, I came, I came along right at the tail end of it, but back, back, I started on the road in seven. Well, I started 
earlier than this, putting a ring up and stuff on the road, but actually traveling with the guys. They tell me back in the 50s, if you was a new guy, you always got to ride on the hump, and you didn't speak unless you were spoken to, and it didn't matter how long the trip was. Right. <laughs> That's what we were taught. And if That's you rode with Jerry right. Oates, if you, if you rode with Jerry, if he said we're leaving at 3 o'clock, you better be there at 259 because at 3 o'clock, if you, you pull it out, gone, he's gone. That's yeah. a fact right gone. there. That's a fact. Like I mean. uh, going to a, getting on the train, train conductor. We pull out. We pull out of this station. Is, oh, if you don't believe it. that, ask Bell VZ. That's right. He was going to ride with me. He was going to ride with me to Chattanooga. No, to Knoxville. Knox, Knoxville. He said, what, yeah. time are, what time are you leaving? I said, 2.30. I said, when I say 2.30, I don't mean 2.31. At 2.30, I'm at the gym. No Del Vizi. I take off by myself. Drove to Knoxville, Tennessee from Columbus. And about an hour later, he comes in the dressing room. He was mad as a wet hen. He said, man, you left me. I said, what time did you get there? He said, I didn't get there at 3. He said, a train caught me. I said, you should have left earlier. Why am I going to be late on account of him? Yeah, that's right, Jerry. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, that was you know, even though I had the gym, if I was booked, that was my job for the day and that night. That was my job. That you know, yep, right. I, I just, I that I mean, I just respected the business that that much, and uh, but you know, I just hated that a lot of guys that had the ability got in too late, you know. But you know, I can't do anything about that. But, Nah. I but just I tell you what, he, uh, I, all, all the guys that I trained and did that did go on to get matches like Thomas and Greg and Donut and all the guys, you know, it's uh, it, you know it's not a reflection on me. It just made me proud that they got to do it and they wanted to do it and were able to well, do thank it. Thank you for everything, Jerry. Thank you for everything. It was just it was just. Yeah, uh, and, it was, uh, and I did, I, I, you know, I, n- I never made promises to people, you know, but, no, I, but you I did. did. You told you you promised all of us but, that you get us booked in Japan, and you did. Thomas was able to do that. I was able to do that. Yep, yep, yep. Grateful for that. Grateful for that. And Donut, yeah. and Donut wound up going with me, and Thomas went on his own, and Greg, and you know that that made me proud that they they got to do that. And, that's yep. something a lot of the guys in the business never got to do, but they, never they got did to get to do it. Yeah, do it, Thomas. But uh, forever grateful, grateful, Jerry. Yeah, I can't, grateful. I can't yeah. stay on here much longer because I've got to get up some medication for. Jerry, let me tell you. Yeah, you know what? The best wrestling move you ever taught us that you never taught that other guys are not getting taught. The best move you ever taught me: wiping your feet before you get in the dang ring. Yep. Nobody guys does that anymore. You didn't see many guys do that. I mean, was, I was taught that, you know. I I, I, I taught them everything I was I, I was taught. That's right. But uh, yeah, that's right. I, I even so, taught them. They learned more than I was taught. And that's yeah. 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 And uh, yeah, you, you know, you're a big part of. Of course, a lot of people don't don't know Thomas in the wrestling business, but the ones that knew him, they'll always remember him. And Absolutely. everybody that ever came through Oaks Gym uh, when Thomas was there, they all, you know, they'll always remember him. 
Yeah. So, yeah, he, yeah. he drew. Hey, let me tell you, a good house at the end. That place was full, packed. Yeah. Yeah. So the resident, he was a good friend. He was a good friend. He, oh yeah. He was. And good, me and Michael have learned friend. something tonight. The way to get trained by Cherry Oats is clean cars and work at the gym real cheap. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was hey, considered better, benefit. better to be trained by Jerry Oates and Lars Anderson. You guys remember that, that one Lars Anderson trainee that, that Brody ended his career, put him in the wheelchair and pushed him in front. <laughs> but I, I'll tell you what, if, if, you, if you come to me and you have it, I'd get it out of you. I'll, I'll, get, I'll pat myself on the back for that. I'd get it out of you. And those you these sure two would. guys on here tonight will tell you that. Yeah. So they saw a lot of guys that came through there, and I always told and the guy, I can't. I said I can teach you. You know, I can teach you holes and moves, but I, you know, if you have it, you have it. If you don't, you don't. And I can't give it to that's you. That's right. You know. So that's right. Yep. But that's I've right. got so a real guys, well, and, I, and I appreciate this well, very much for y'all doing this with Thomas. And uh, all right, Jerry. It means a lot. It means a lot to all of us. All right, man. All right, we'll Jerry. talk to you Thanks soon. Jerry. Jerry, take care. I'll call you soon, Jerry. Y'all be good, guys. All right, bud. Okay, good night. Good night. Jerry. Have a good night, Jerry. Bye-bye. Good night. Well, I got a question for these two guys. They may know. Okay. What happened to that <laughs> ring that was in the gym? They might know. Uh, Bob, I have no idea what happened to that, that uh, ring. I don't know. I don't, you have to ask Jerry. You talking about the ring that came out of Savannah? No, this one. The one that was in the gym originally. Oh, 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 oh. It was no. a short. It was yeah. it was low. Yeah. Matt was a about th- Matt was about three foot off the floor, maybe three and a half. Yeah. That was a TV ring, I think, is what. Uh, That's ex- that was exactly what that was. That was the right. matter of fact. I gave him the ring. They come to Atlanta, and got it. It was laying out on the yard. I, I turned the back in the sports arena, and they yeah. come up there and got it. And then uh, I know they sandblasted it and did some work to it to clean it up. But yeah. that ring, that is that was the ring from the old live Atlanta wrestling TV show. And that ring was, I put that ring up a million times at that TV station. And it was when we let, when it was, when we went to the, to the two hour thing after the, the split. Right. When we went to the two hours, we continued to use that ring. Until they decided they wanted to use a 16-foot ring, rather that was an 18-foot ring, and they wanted to use a 16, and we 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 put it over the ring, and then it laid on the yard until Ted and Jerry come got it. Yeah. But I've often wondered what happened to that ring. And people, whoever's got it, has no clue the history to that thing. Bobby, I want to say that maybe Ted Allen wound up with that ring. He may have. He wound up with a bunch of them. I had my hands on over the years. <laughs> yeah, I want to say Ted Allen did, but Jerry, you know, Jerry probably knows. Or, you know what? No, he didn't. Thing, Jerry didn't know either. I've asked him. I was just curious what happened know, to it. Tell yeah. you, there was another ring. You remember when we worked for Ann, we had a ring. Yeah. And one day, all our checks bounced. You remember that? I'm sure y'all had that happen. And uh, that was know, after I left. Well, maybe so, but so what was his <laughs> yeah. name? Ron New, uh, not, not Ron Newman, uh, the other guy Newman. Bill uh, Newman. Bill, Bill Newman. Newman. And him and Ted had made a deal. Ted was holding the ring hostage till we got paid, which yeah. I was happy yeah. about. That's like, pay us and I'll give you your ring back. Yeah. And he'd come up there when he said, "Look, I can't pay you now, but we will get your money." Ted said, "Well, you won't get a ring till you get the money." The ring was sitting out there. 
Oh no, the ring might have been at Ted's house. He said, "You." Yeah. He said, "Ted, I drove all the way down here to get my get that ring, and now you're not going to give it to me." He said, "Well, I thought you were going to come down here and pay us our money. What about are you going to give us that?" Ted, I can't. I, I watched them argue around. Ted said, "Well, you ain't getting nothing until you get get these guys paid." I think I had like a two hundred fifty dollar check. I don't know who else had a check. Ted had a check for probably four or five hundred something. He said, "You get our money, you'll get a ring." I don't know if they ever squared up. I wound up running my check back through, and I think I got paid, but now yeah. I didn't have the ring, you know. Yeah. yeah. Well, so. I left. I left there in uh, July. I left in July of '85. Yeah. Because I went to work where I retired from August 1st of '85, and I went. I went back one time after that. She called me, and I went back and did a TV show. I had to meet Bill Newman. At eleven o'clock on a Friday night, because we had to go in after they shut the TV, uh, the cable system down, and the guy fired a camera up and let us. I went in and I had a format. I had made up a format, and I went in and we, me and Bill did, did talkovers to fill in the gaps. And I left, and they get he handed me a hundred dollar bill because I told him, I told him if he didn't, I told Ann, I said if you don't pay me, I'm not going to do it, and she paid right. me, and then you know. Uh, God love her. She got sick right after that, and it was just yeah, yeah. You know the 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 sad part about that whole scenario that that's you know she she did not have the financial resources to do what she wanted to do. She wasn't broke. She wasn't destitute, but it was all tied up in the trust that Ray had set up for her. Right. I think Ray knew that if she got her hands on it, you know. And uh, you know, for years and years, you know, she when she sued after after the shutdown in, in November of, of seventy four, uh, when I became the office manager for Barnett, we were still making monthly payments to Ann Gunkel. Right. Over the settlement of that lawsuit. Wow. And when all of that ran out, when that stopped, when she started running again, uh I honestly think she was looking for somebody to sue. She was hoping that somebody was gonna try to Shut her down, or I mean, this is just my opinion, right, but I think right. they were, you know, that's what she was looking for. And when it didn't happen, because nobody cared, right, right, and everything was changing right then too. Remember, and uh, yeah, it was. I, I, it was just an, it was just an odd, awkward time in the wrestling business. But I tell you what, I heard, and I saw some guys talking about it, and it, it was unsubstantiated. But they said that she had went to Turner, and she had that maybe Turner had made her a promise. Of backing her again and Turner reneged on his promise for her. I'd never oh, heard that. Back. That could be, but I never heard that. Yeah, but I know she heard table on a first name basis, according to. Oh yeah, she know, was. Well, I mean, you know, and dated Burt Reynolds. I mean, Ann was. You know, she was a she was a debutante in her young days, and she was. You know, Ann was a good looking woman, and she was. Oh yeah. You know, but Ann oh, was yeah. sick. Ann was getting yeah, sick the whole time we were working for. Her. And. Is that uh, right? You know, and she she listened to way too many different people. Uh, you know, yeah. that Jimmy Holiday showed up and convinced her he was the end all know all of a wrestling business and he didn't know a no, wristwatch from a wristwatch. That guy was an idiot, I remember. And, him. He and, an idiot. You know, she wouldn't listen to me and that's why I left. I told her, I said, Look, you hired me to, to, to tell you when you were doing good and when you were doing bad and I said, You're not listening anymore so I mean we, we spent so much it was just a. It was a bad time. She did. I will say this. She called. 
she she owed Charlie Smith some money. She called Charlie and sent him. She squared up with Charlie. She paid Charlie. She called me and told me she wanted me to come see her. I don't know why, uh, but I, it was like middle of the week. I told her I would see her on the weekend, and she went in the hospital on that Friday, and I never saw her. She she passed away in the hospital. So, you know, I don't know what she wanted with me, and and it's it's irrelevant. I don't really care. But I, you know, yeah, yeah. What, what Bobby? What she have? She had lung cancer or something, didn't she? She had cancer. Yeah, yeah. She yeah. she was a sweetheart. I uh, she was good to me. She gave me a break yeah, way back mm-hmm. in 1972, and uh, yeah. you know, it, it got me my foot in the door. And uh, you know, when uh, when the thing shut down in November of '74, out of 31 guys on the roster, including the referees, I was the only one that walked out of her office and walked into Barnett's office on Monday morning with a job. So, yeah. you know, she, right. it was it, it was good for me, and and I, I loved her, and. Uh, uh, you know, I just I hate it worked out like it did, but yeah, it was just yeah. 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 Were you guys moved on the car in Hilberton, Georgia, the night we went up there and nobody showed up at that amphitheater up there? I don't think I was on that one. I, it they seems were, like I knew I was there almost. I worked almost every night. I read. They worked. They booked Elberton, Georgia. The, there was a young couple, and I can't remember their names. It was a, it was a young man and his wife, and they were they promoted a couple of shows and did real well. Did good for little spot shows, and they booked Elberton, Georgia, in an amphitheater. And uh, I went up there to take care of the town and referee. And it was, I got there about seven thirty, and I walked in, and there ain't a swinging soul in the building. I mean, no, the people in the ticket office uh, saw him and her. You know, I went back to the dressing room, and Luke and, and uh, uh, his son-in-law uh, was it was T G T G Graham. They were sitting there playing cribbage. And I walked in, and we were sitting there talking, and I I just kept talking, and we looked around. I never did start getting dressed. Finally, about 8 o'clock, I walked out. We did not sell one ticket that night. At wow. 8.30, not one swinging soul had bought a ticket. Something it's the first time and the only time I ever saw it happen. And I, were, I yeah, rode I around the town. There were posters out. I have no idea oh, what geez. the cause of it was, what happened, other than we didn't have anything they wanted to see. But we we went home. Who it's the first top? time I ever saw it happen. Who was on top? Was yeah, it on top? Oh, I don't I don't have any idea who it was. I yeah. could not tell. Probably. Yeah, Bobby, did you work? Were you working for Ann when Ted was doing the booking? Yeah, uh, when I first came, he was booking. Yeah. I know we went down to uh, after you leave that TV in Valdosta. One of the yeah, jobs that make really. Used to really draw was Pearson, Georgia, and yep. I remember we, Pearson after we left that TV, and none of the hills showed up. Nobody but Rich, because he had they had switched. He had they had switched him to heel. He was the only one that showed up, and I remember Ted running around and trying to make matches, and and I think one or two of the guys showed up, but all for some reason all the hills didn't show up that night. And the place was packed. Oh yeah, Ron Starr didn't show up. Who all didn't show up? I remember that right. Ron Starr didn't show. Grady, but you know, Pearson was always a good. Even when Grady Odom ran it, he packed it out. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep, yep. Pearson I remember we that, that, that might have been Barry County uh, Junior High that time. Charlie, uh, you over y'all booked it, and you couldn't have got another soul in that place. You couldn't even breathe in there. There's so many people in there. Well, actually, yeah. that was. You know the thing. We first of all, 
you know, if you if you remember when we started, you know, I showed up. She hired me on a Wednesday, and I rode to Valdosta. Well, I rode to Quitman, Georgia. They ran Quitman on Friday night mm-hmm. at a National Guard Armory. No TV, no nothing. I walked in down there and didn't have a clue what was going on. Walked in, spoke to everybody. We didn't. There wasn't hardly anybody there. I went up to check up because they told me that's what I was supposed to do. When I paid Grady Odom for hauling the ring, there wasn't any money left. I mean, we drew that little. Wow. So when we went, but there was no TV yet. We didn't start TV till the next morning. Mm-hmm. And we went in that's and did right. the TV. You know was Luthez there the first one or the second one? First or second one, because I remember that's the first time I met Luthez. Yeah, yeah. He, I can't remember. I, I don't think he was there the first one. We had a list. Yeah. We walked in. No yeah. format had been done. Uh, and this wasn't any disrespect to anybody in particular. You know, this was Ted's first swing at booking. He didn't really right. know about TVs and how to set them up as far as, you know, doing a format and whatever. So me and Les sat down and put a format together, and, and he did the play-by-play, and I stayed back there in the control room and tried to piece it together. And right. then when we, you know, but we ran the TV, and if you remember, we went straight to the building in Valdosta and ran that night. That's right, we did. And we didn't draw we did. anybody. But didn't draw anything. But we did know, not have the TV. I mean, it was the TV in us that should have ran four or five weeks before we started running towns. Right, right. And you and you know we needed some leeway, and I just I just think we got in there way too quick, and there was a lot of things could have been done different, but. Uh, you know, that station was notorious, they said, too, for, like, going down and not running the tape. Remember, we ran into that problem with them. Yep. Remember, their sound yeah, it was would just, go down. And just, it was it a very small setup down there to begin with. So. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was. She needed, she needed a couple hundred thousand dollars to try to get something up off the ground. I mean, that's just what it takes. Would have took then. Now it would have took, took much more than that. I well, mean, you yeah. guys, you, you know, you guys don't know what insurance costs. And you don't know, yeah, yeah, the, right, you know, right. when she brought me in and told me she wanted to do it right, and I started, you know, I mean, I ordered a Xerox machine, and she went crazy. I rented it. <laughs> and she said, why did you do that? I said, I said, Ann, how can I run an office and send out press releases and things to these buildings for advanced ticket sales and so forth if I don't have a Xerox machine? Right. And then she calmed down. I mean, you know, she would have these screaming, yelling fits, and, and, you know, it was just. That's why she was under pressure and she didn't have the money. That's what that's that exactly what it when was. The, when you got that's the money, exactly what it was. you know exactly what you got to have, and you don't sweat it. You know, you turn it over. Did you Bobby guys, did you guys, had y'all guys backed out of it before we went to, uh, we ran, when we were, we did the TV taping in Anderson, South Carolina. Were y'all still around, or did y'all backed out by no, then? No, I think we were done by then. I think oh, we, yeah, we, we were, were done. done. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we were done. We were done by then. Yeah, we, we were, were uh, we backed out. We ran. Uh, we went to Anderson. Scott Irwin had come in, doing the motorcycle mm-hmm. gimmick. We had done. Uh, we were. Uh, let's see who else was there. The two blonde-headed kids from Memphis had come in, and they weren't great, but they looked great. Mm-hmm. And we sat around the dressing room talking, and I convinced I convinced Randy and Doug Summers to go out there and do a 15-minute Broadway with them, ask for five more minutes, let them get the upper hand, and those guys take a powder. Just right. to try to get something done. 
Another right. thing I came up with that night, something I seen done years ago with Tim Woods and El Mongo that I thought would be just a great gimmick. Scott was working heel as that motorcycle guy. I asked Ted. Uh, Ted Allen was working, or was working uh, under the hood or whatever. I told Ted, I said, let's do a deal where he loosens your mask up and turns it sideways where you can't see. And I said, let him just really, really, really take advantage of you. And I said, we'll come back on this thing, book you guys on the house shows. And I said, we can go, we can do all sorts of stuff with this. But I said, we got to get some heat on the guy. And Ted goes, I have agreement with Ann. I don't do jobs on TV. (laughs) What? Exactly what he told me. And God love I love Ted Allen to death, but I was like Oh, absolutely. I said, Ted, you gotta be kidding. He goes, No, I'm not kidding. And I said, Ted, I said, we gotta get some heat on this guy. And I said, if he takes advantage of you, it gives you the perfect thing to work with him around the loop, whatever we run. Yeah, yeah, you gotta no, I don't I don't do jobs. <laughs> so I never, I mean, if you told me that, Bobby, I would have never thought that would have come out of Ted yeah, Allen. He told me he told me that not he had to deal with Ann. So, you know, I mean, it was just I'm all sorts surprised. of issues there. Right. I'm right. I'm totally surprised on that, though. You know, I never had Ted. Uh, I, I had, you know what, you're talking about coming along in the right, wrong time or right time or whatever. But you know what, when I worked for Jody, because I worked for Jody for about two years, and I, I worked almost a full-time schedule. I mean, yeah. we worked at the gym, but Jody ran Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, Saturdays, and sometimes we worked on Sundays. And I even did a, a few double shots on Sundays. Yeah. And, he always uh, ran Carrollton on Sundays. Yeah, and you know, I worked with Ted most of that time because it's Ross. Ross was greener than grass, and Billy Starr, he only knew one high spot after that. So I used to go in and get that over with Ted. So I just go in and do it with him. I go in and do that spot, then I tell him tag out, and then me and Ted to get in there. <laughs> yeah. uh, all right, then we can get down. So me and Ted would get in there and, and, and you know, do some stuff. And, uh, then I get Ross in, and, and even Joe told me, and I love Ross to death. Believe me, he's one of my favorite people in the world. It's like, if you see things going wrong, he said, you get his ass out. <laughs> Excuse my language. I'm sorry. <laughs> you get him out. And so y'all get, he looked at me and said, he's like, y'all get him out. And, you know, I was just myself, you know, but we were, but we, I had a lot of good times with Ted Allen, man. We did some good stuff. I, I worked mean, with Ted a lot of times. He was, that was a night off. It was. Oh, yeah. It was. He didn't oh, yeah. do anything. You know, I grab him yeah. in the headlock. I say, I say, what do you want to do? He said, I don't know. I thought you had something. <laughs> I was like, oh, God. He said, you, whatever you call, I'll do it. I'm yeah. like, what? Do you? I said, you got to do something to thinking, too. He says, nah. He said, you do it all. Yeah. Guy asked me <laughs> that. What do you want to do? I'd simply, I'd tell him, I don't want to get hurt. Yeah, that's a big, <laughs> that's a big part of it. <laughs> yeah. I never worried about that with Ted. Billy no, could I didn't be a little, uh, but Billy could be a little. He jumped off on me one night, and so up in L.J. or somewhere, and he landed all over me with that pinch. Ted would hold me across his knee, and he'd come off with a big knee, and he landed across my face, and lay, I mean, it just busted my mouth. That's the first. That's probably one night I got mad at somebody. And I went up there and I let him know I wasn't happy about it. Cause I don't, you know, I like I love Billy too. Don't get me wrong, but Billy, I don't think he's a fighter, but. I was mad about that, and so uh, after that, Ted, okay, we, uh, I told Joe, Joe said, let Ted do it from now on. And I did my I job. The, like last ma- the last match that I had with uh, <clears throat> this is right before Ted passed. We, me and him and a 
kid from Savannah. Can't think of his name. He's a good body. We work with Jerry and Ted and Bo. And a six man. And I can remember Ted Allen telling me, he said, Boy, he said, for some reason, man, I can't, you know, just, I can't move like I, like I want to. I can't move like, you know. And I don't know if it was, that was, you know, that his wind wasn't, you know, wasn't where it should have been. But this was right before he passed. And it was, that was like in March of 2010. And I think later on that year is when he passed, I think. Yeah. That was yeah. he died. Yeah, because Taylor's yeah. only, what, 55, 54, 55, something like that? So, I am May, I was May to November older than he was. And I'm oh, 63, okay. so he, he I don't remember what he was, but he, yeah, it's. It was, he was awesome. He was a, he, he was a oh, real he pleasure was to work with, though, man. Taylor yeah. was a good, he was a oh, he great was to work with. Absolutely. Absolutely, he was Great solid, no doubt about it. You just, you just talking about Billy Star. Just talking about Billy Star. Let me tell you the first time I ever met Billy Star. He shows up at the sports arena to work out, and I don't know what the deal was or what the free arrangement was, but he gets over there. Ole goes down and gets in a ring with him. Oh Lord! And Ole, Ole, Ole was—he didn't really beat him up. He just. He would ride him and grind his face into the mat, and he'd back him in the corner, and he would scream at him and yell at him and, you know, quit, quit. I'll tell you about Billy Starr. He told Ole, he says, you can hurt me. He says, you can continue to make me holler. He said, but I will not quit. And he didn't. Wow. And th- they just went for probably 30, 40 minutes. And when they got through, wow. Ole took him right up front to the office and booked him. Wow, I was there the day go. that happened. So, you know, he's, 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 he was a tough old bird. You oh, know? yeah, he oh, was yeah. tough. Billy was tough. Yeah. If I'm not mistaken, like the first that. match Billy ever had was in Cornelia, Georgia, because I think I refereed it. But that, I believe that was the first place Ole booked him. Yeah. Wow, wow. Well, Billy worked around, too. I think he worked in Alabama and Louisiana. And, yeah, he did. Uh, he did. Yeah, he, he worked, worked around. The, uh, he, he was a good hand. He was all right. He was in Oklahoma you know, for uh, – from McGurk after after Watts split off and McGurk had George Scott booking for him. Billy yeah, was out there. Yeah. He wrestled somebody. He was mainly a manager. He had uh, Francisco Flores and uh, uh, you you guys remember the little little short gun called Ali Bay. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Worked all over the place. The Turk, Ali Bay. Yep. The two yep, of them yep. uh, yep. were out there in Oklahoma. <clears throat> Billy was their manager. So he was well, he was know, more or less the top heel out there. I, yeah. You know, I remember Tell hearing about that would, because... Go ahead, go ahead. No, 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 I was just saying, when we worked for uh, Jody, Thomas and I worked with Billy and uh, Ted a lot. We had a, we had a lot of matches with them, especially on those Sunday night shows in Carrollton. Worked a lot yep. with them. Yep. Did you guys, you know, either one of you guys ever work with David San Martino? I did. You worked with Bruno San Martino I, Jr.? I did. I worked with him one time. We did was, a job for me right in the middle. I worked with him one night. I was under a hood. Just went to fill in for somebody. Uh, it was, it was, I was office manager for Barnett, and I went over to fill in somewhere in Alabama. And, yeah, I was laughing when the, y'all was talking about Thomas slamming that guy. Son, he he picked me up to slam me, and he pressed me over his head. No, that kid was strong. And, son, oh, he turned me loose, and strong. I went down, and when I hit the mat – 
I wouldn't have got up if it had come in there with a forklift. I told him, I said, cover me. Cover me, cover me. You ain't doing this to me no more. Cover me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, sir. (laughs) You You made a believer out of me. Just get on down here, big boy. He was strong. He was strong. Yes, he was. A lot of weight and cut up and everything. But he was, uh, I forgot who we were with, and I can't even remember who my partner was, but. I know we did some kind of smiles. I mean, he might have been partnering with Ted, and we did some kind of smiles at the end. Had sunset flipping from the outside in. Boom, boom, boom. One, two, three. But I never had any problem with them. They got hit on me. Of course, they beat the crap out of me and slammed me and whatever. I, you know, I didn't care uh, as long as it wasn't dangerous. But I never had any problems. I mean, neither. I, you know. <laughs> but he wasn't a great big guy. He was just strong as heck. He was a, you know, he lost like. He was only like 225 pounds or 220 pounds when I worked. He got real cut up and lean, you know. Uh-huh. And, uh, he was, uh, he looked, he looked great. I don't know what, I don't know what the misfire with him was as far as the business, you know. Uh, I, I don't think he really wants to be in it, to be honest with you. Maybe his dad you pushed know, he, him. Uh, in. Maybe he just felt like he had to. You know, he's as far as I know, he's still living here in Atlanta. He's he's, he's a personal trainer. Yeah, I think he is. Somebody He's been that doing I, that for I, years. Yep, yep, yep. He's a nice guy, man. I've, I've, I thought he was just awesome, you know. Uh, we worked it out. You know where it was? I'll tell you where it was, uh, Bobby, up at that music park, Dealers Music Park. Dealers, yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> and it was awesome. Guys, I'm getting a call. i got to get off here. I got My girlfriend's waiting on me. I just want to say one thing before I go. And Mike, thanks for letting me call in and everything. And oh, Bobby, no problem. Oh, I love you. Bob and Greg, of course, you know I love you, and and I love Thomas too, and I just like to think that he's healed and he's flying with angels now. He's oh yeah, man, about. he's he's a lot better off than we are. He's seen oh, yeah. a lot of good. Absolutely. He's seen some good stuff right now. So, but you know, some Bobby, and don't you ever forget this. So I love you too. Because I love you too, man. When I was a punk kid, when I was a punk kid coming through there, and you know, I know y'all <clears> give me crap, but I, I I know y'all all respect me and y'all love me. And y'all, yes, and y'all weren't going to do anything to get me in trouble, you know, or get me hurt. Right. And uh, and I respect y'all, and I respect you. So, I do too, man. I do too. Man. I love you guys. Mike, Mike. All right, Doc. Uh, Appreciate Mike, it, man. I know you're doing better, too, Mike. I know you're doing a lot better than you were for a while. Oh, yeah. And I know that oh, you're yeah. walking and getting around and everything, so praise God for that. Praise God yeah. for that. Yeah, amen. Oh, I amen. do every day. Every day, brother. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. All right, guys. Well, I'll talk to y'all later. I'm gonna jump off. All right, man. Thanks. I'll talk to y'all soon. Take care, brother. Bye. Bye, brother. Take care, brother. Well, now we freed up a couple lines. We got a gentleman. Well, hang on. Let me ask a great question before before we get spouting. Okay. Where'd the name Donut come from? You know what? I have no idea. When we met him, because he lived right around the corner from the gym. Right. And he came around and. I think somebody asked him, and he said his nickname was Donut. I don't know if he got it. Oh, okay. He ate a lot of donuts. In the I kids. thought that might have come out of the gym. That's why I was asking. That's yeah, he was, that was his nickname, and I think he had it before before we knew him. Oh, okay. Said, well, they, you know, my name is done, but they called me Donut. So okay. Yeah, well, that'll work. Yeah. Okay, Mike. I'm sorry. I thought I was going to learn something new. Oh, no problem. <laughs> you know, we're going to get uh, get our, our Alabama correspondent on here, Dennis Mitchell. He's going to clue us into what's going on around Montgomery. Dennis, you with us? Guys, how y'all doing tonight? Great show. Hey, Dennis. Good. All right, doing great. Good. How you doing? 
I'm doing great, man. Well, Bobby, I was going to ask you, man, outside of rain, do you have any good Les Thornton stories to tell? No, not really. Les was Les was pretty much all business. He uh Okay. Yeah, he he was not uh, yeah, he wasn't he wasn't your big ribber and 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 uh you did not rib him. Let's just put it that way. Yeah. <laughs> I am. Uh well, guys, well, I'm going to let you know. You count wrestling with with that orange spray on tan he used to wear a rib because oh, that's geez. come off on you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, hate to hear that he died, but he, at least he lived a long time, made it to 84. You know, a yep. lot of wrestlers yes, that sir. died recently died young. He made it to 84 years old and, <clears throat> and all that. Well, Michael, i, I got to ask you a question. I was wondering if you heard any tidbits of any independent wrestling coming to Montgomery, Alabama area. It's been dead here for a lot of years. Not that I've I've heard. Uh, I can't think of anything other than that stuff that you know they've been doing some stuff fairly regular in Dothan. That's about the only thing I know of. I don't even know of anything going on in Mobile right now. Since the, well, that, that, that guy that claimed to be doing the clown die. What's that? <laughs> Is the commission? active over there again? Who knows? I don't know. Yeah, my, I was just wondering, you know, it's real frustrating for me that we haven't had any good independent wrestling in years. You know, we had that little, there was a guy named Rockin' Rebel that weighed uh, like 150 pounds. He was legally <laughs> blind. And he had ran, he ran Southern States wrestling for a few years. And, you know, he had a lot of wrestling matches at the National Guard Armory in Montgomery, which is a Church of God church now, and he ran the National Guard Armory in Wetumpka and Prattville outside Montgomery. So his wrestling programs were on Channel 3, the cable local cable access channel. And I was going to ask you all, too, what's, what's the independent wrestling thing like in Columbus now? I have no idea. I, I'm not down there enough to know. My... My, I mean, my first wife's brother in well, he's my brother in law. Let's just put it that way. He, oh. Jeff, Jeff Tucker has, uh, uh, me and his sister have not, we were, have not been married for a lot of years now, but, but I've always considered Jeff's brother in law. Jeff is now running West Georgia Wrestling. Oh, they're yeah. running, they're running, um, uh, Franklin, Georgia once a month. That's like a yeah. they run it once a month, and uh, he's trying very hard to uh, keep it fan friendly and so forth. My son is refereeing for him. <clears throat> he started refereeing, and uh, okay. he, he says they're doing okay. They've run several shows around, so I'm, but I haven't heard anything in Columbus. I was just uh, but right along that. that that Alabama border over there, they're going to be running some towns. So, uh, but I don't know about Montgomery. The problem then is something you got to think and consider, and I don't know if when we first started, when when Georgia Championship Wrestling years ago went over there and ran Oxford, Alabama, right? They had an Alabama Boxing and Wrestling Commission, and oh, I went boy. over there and I ran to town for our office, and and they sent it was a joint promotion with Nick Goulas out of uh, out of Nashville who who promoted the town, and he sent uh, the first time I was there. He sent Jerry Barber down, who worked in the office, and me and Jerry Barber took care of the town, and we turned people away. 
I mean, we literally Man. turned fifteen hundred people away that night. We filled the building, slap up, and and we were. I mean, it was a big, huge house. Our ticket prices weren't that expensive, and we had four or five thousand dollars in this building. And this guy walks in and put a badge on me, and when he got through pencil whipping me, they took nineteen no. percent of our house. Good gracious, life. And and Man. and it was perfectly legal. And he, well. the next day, in a joint effort between Goulas and Georgia Championship Wrestling, we got some lawyers and we got that thing dissolved because they did Man. nothing for you in the way of protecting you or helping you. They just came in and took your money. Uh, yeah. So, but I've heard that it's active again, that they've, they've got another commission. If that's the case, that's going to be a real drawback to somebody running over there because – on an independent show, if you draw a thousand dollars, and the guy comes in and goes, "Well, we're going to take three hundred and fifty dollars of your money," by the time you pay your rent, you're in the hole. Yeah. So that that well, could be part of the problem over there. I don't know that to be a fact, but could be. I know. Yeah, it might be. I, I agree with you, Bobby. It's real frustrating for me, man. I I'm not in WWE. I like independence. You know, I like the good right. old days. I, which I appreciate. I was going to ask y'all too. The the promoters that bought Jerry Jerry out with Great Championship Wrestling, whatever happened to Bill and Diane Hughes? I think they died. I have no idea. I think that I think both of them. I know one of them. I think, but I think they both died. Oh, I didn't know that. I went to a few programs over there when I went to one when Jerry owned it, and I went a few times when they had it at the Great Eight Skate Center over in Phoenix City a few times. Yeah. And all that. So uh, that's amazing how that and all that. I was going to ask Michael one other question. I want to ask you about a wrestling announcer when Jerry Oates wrestled in 84 in Kansas City. Do you remember Kevin Wall? No. No, the only... I know just before Geigel shut down uh, Central States, Rick Stewart had gone there from uh, the, the did uh, Dothan TV with Charlie for so many years. Rick was there, yeah. but prior to that, the only other person I knew and that was there for forever was Bill Kirsten. Yeah, so, yeah. I, I just wonder because Kevin, yeah, Kevin Wall. I saw a YouTube of him wrestling announcer for All Star Wrestling in Kansas City in '84. I remember Kevin Wall used to do a sports show on one on one sports and he used to have a have a segment on his sports show which is Yahoo Sports Radio now. He had a mm-hmm. he had a segment called a graffiti man's got something to say. He used to have that segment and all that. He used to air in Montgomery before the sports babe took over on seven forty here in Montgomery. That was back in the late nineties I think and mm. And all and all that. I was, I was going to ask you too. Are you and Bobby going to go to that thing in Dothan on May 11th? Uh, me and I don't know. We as far, as, far as we know, me and Charlie Smith are supposed to be there. We'll know more uh, into the middle of March. We'll know more about it. But as of right now, we're supposed to be there. I think. I'm going to try to be there again this year. I, I did say Dennis Condry, Bobby, you going to be there. And Jake the Snake Roberts is making an appearance down there. I read that on Facebook the other day. Okay. Hmm. And all that. Well, so that so that'd be interesting. I was wondering if we left George Championship Wrestling, Bobby, did you ever referee matches with Jake the Snake when he's in Georgia or was that after you left? No, that was after I'd left. 
he came in. Man, I tell I met him. I, I know him, but I, but I've never worked any of his matches. Okay. Well, guys, y'all have a good night. I'm ready for the next show next one. Y'all keep good work. Y'all have a good night. <laughs> Thanks, man. All right. Well, good night, man. Take care, bud. Oh, man. Well, guys, I've come to a conclusion. The Hawks are not a second-half team. <laughs> they were up at one point. They were up eighteen. They were up eighteen points in the in the second quarter over the Raptors. And now, uh, in the third quarter, two minutes left in the third quarter, the Raptors are over them three three points. Oh. But every game that I've watched this season has been that way. They have absolutely dominated the first half, and then I guess they just you know they blow up, and then. Uh, Unless they come back and win the last three minutes, they'll they'll lose. They'll get way behind in the in the second half and can't catch up. So, but I know they're a young team. What did you so. say? There was two minutes to go in the in in the third quarter. Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. Or the, the three minutes left. Two minutes. Oh, okay. Well, I just I just flipped my I just flipped the satellite over and they're I guess you're a little behind. They're they're eight minutes to go in the fourth quarter here. Uh, okay. Well, I'll, yeah, I'll I'm, be a, I'm, I'll I'm using a streaming service. So. <laughs> well, I'm sure they'll lose. So. <laughs> I don't know what's wrong with Atlanta franchises, sports franchises, boys. It's almost like they got a curse on them or something, man. I tell oh. you. Football, basketball. Well, I mean, the, you know. the United, the United kind of broke that this year. So. Well, they did. That's Hopefully, true. that'll be the start of something. I hope so. Well. But the Hawks have got so darn many uniforms. I can't keep up with who's when they're playing. Or which team is them? I've seen them. They're playing. We're wearing white tonight. I've seen them in red. I've seen them in black. I've seen them in in like a maroon color. Like they got a different uniform for every every town they play in. But <laughs> that's so they can get out of town. Didn't <laughs> talk. Or maybe. <laughs> Maybe they know Donnie Payne, and he's he's providing well, the, them with the, stuff. The the, uh, the Falcons have started a fire sale. They're letting everybody go. Uh, they let offered their defensive back go the day before yesterday. They let the Matt kicker Bryant. go yesterday. Yeah, they got rid of Matt Bryant. So I guess I don't know. I guess they're opening salary cap room where they can sign a big free agent or something. I don't know. I think so, man, everybody's disappointed because the Braves didn't get Rio Muto, but, uh, you know, you have to look, and everybody wanted Bryce, you know, Bryce Harper, but, number one, he's he's not a team player, and I just don't think he would have been a good fit here. But what everybody wanted, we'd have been, you know, Stuck with him and had no no prospects because everybody wanted everybody in, in the world on our, off our team. Did anybody but, ever uh, sign Harper? Or is he still at Washington? Uh, the last I heard, who was it that was? I want to say it was San Diego. That was nobody signed him yet, but he was talking oh, okay. to San Diego, I think. Okay. Uh, but it was announced today that the Phillies got Rio Muto from Miami. So, okay. <clears throat> well, sure. but we'll see. I'm just ready for baseball to be back on. It'll be long now. 
Well, we're coming up on reunion season, so I'm looking forward to the rest of the reunions, such as they are. And uh, I'm uh, uh, hoping that uh, hoping that everybody shows up. Some of them, we I think the mobile thing. I'm worried about it. I think it's kind of ran its course. Uh, wow. Yeah. Everybody's everybody's passed away, and 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 that's it's uh, some of the guys that are still alive are not coming anymore, and. One of the guys told me down there said, "Well, you guys are the old timers now, and trust me, nobody's coming to see me." So, uh, <laughs> I mean, I just I look forward to uh, I look forward to, to Las Vegas every year because uh, two years ago we I agreed to drive out there one time with the guys, and we went and we had such a good time. We did it again last year, and we're going to do it again this year. So it's. Uh, we make it a little bit of a vacation, go see some things we had never seen before. So it's a that's a fun time. Fun time. Who is you and Charlie, Bobby? No, Charlie. Charlie flies. He it's that, that's a little much for him. We uh we usually take about nine or ten days. Uh, it's me and Scrappy, and uh, Randy and okay. uh, Gene Bennett, guy that our buddy out of Rome. We uh the first year we went to. Uh, we went to Oklahoma City and saw where they uh, blew the Merrill Center up. We went to uh, Four Corners where the state, the four states, come together. We went okay. to uh, we went to Winslow, Arizona, and stood on the corner okay. uh, at that little park <laughs> out there. Uh, we did. Uh, we found Billy the Kid's grave in the middle of uh, of New Mexico. Just you know, nothing. Yeah. Uh, you know, nothing, nothing spectacular. Just stuff we've never seen before. Last year right. we went, we went the lower route. We went through Dallas and saw, we saw the, where Kennedy was shot. We saw, um, went to South Fork where they filmed Dallas at the TV show. Oh man, uh, okay. uh, which was really neat. It's really neat. Uh, we uh, we went to Austin. We saw the state capitol. Found the statue of Willie Nelson. Went to San Antonio and saw the Alamo, and uh, went to Tombstone, Arizona, saw the OK Corral and all the stuff out there. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. we, you know, we just this year, if uh, good Lord's willing and and we are able to do it, we're going to leave on Easter Sunday after morning service, and we're going to go to uh, Scrappy and Gene. Have never seen Mount Rushmore. We took Smitty out there four or five years ago. But uh, we're oh, okay. going to go that way this year and let them see Mount Rushmore, and then we're going to go into uh, to uh, Montana and see the Little Big Horn, and right. come back down through Yellowstone and Salt Lake City and wind up in Las Vegas. So, oh man, nice trip. Nice. Yeah, it is, and it's you know it's relatively inexpensive. But by the time we split the gas, it's about as cheap as flying, okay. and we rent a van, okay. so we don't we got plenty of room. We don't have to. Uh, you know, put the miles on our car, yeah. so you can't uh, beat that. Yeah, it's good time. Okay. That's, that's excellent. Excellent. So, what are you doing now, Greg? You you're not still in the insurance business, are you? I'm still licensed. <clears throat> still, uh, I just got a, a contract with uh, Humana and okay. uh, a couple other companies. And uh, matter of fact, I'm I'm uh, waiting here for my 
the person, my uh, my agent on my upline, I'm sure I'm supposed to hear from them tomorrow. So I'm still here dealing, dabbling in insurance business. Oh, okay. After all these years, yeah. Yeah. I worked for 18 months for Liberty National. And I just Liberty National. It just wasn't. I was running. I was. I was a debit agent. I was out collecting the debit, and you know, and I, I, oh, it, I just wasn't, it wasn't. It yeah. wasn't. Uh, it wasn't. It wasn't for me. And and uh, that's when Ann hired me. And and after that started failing, I went to work for the company that I eventually retired from. So it, it was. Yeah. It was good. I mean, I enjoyed the time I was there, but I just knew it wasn't something I wanted to do the rest of my life. So yeah. you know, Bill Drummond yeah. works a debit. Matter of fact, yeah, he's the one who convinced me to go into the insurance business. Ted Allen was in the insurance business when I met him. And yes, when he I was. First met him. Yeah. Yep. He, he sold insurance. He worked for a loan company. Yeah. And he worked for a radio I station. Read. I think that's the only three real jobs he ever had. Yeah. 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 I ran a debit. Uh, I, I got licensed in '81. I worked for a company that was pretty big. Home office here in Atlanta. United Home Life. Uh-huh. Uh, right downtown, I worked for them for, because they were all their, their uh, offices based out of funeral homes. Right. I worked for them. I worked for Atlanta Life and uh, Delta Life, running a debit. And one thing about it, you won't make much running a debit, but it'll teach you how to work, though. Boy. Yes, it will. <laughs> Teach you how to chase <laughs> folks, too. I'm telling you, man. I'm telling I'll give you a funny story. I'm, I'm, we got a few minutes. I was... We Liberty National, you know, they started in Alabama. The home office was in Birmingham. And right. and for years and years and years they sold those nickel policies over there mm-hmm. in Alabama and they 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 sold one called a burial policy. They contracted with funeral homes all throughout Alabama. Uh you paid okay. a nickel a week. It was a it was a whole life policy. You never paid it off. It was, you know, but it was a nickel mm-hmm. a week. And if you died, the, the the policy stated the local funeral home in your area that they had contracted with would provide you a casket, a vault, a funeral, transportation to the cemetery, and burial. 250 bucks. And when they started selling these things, that's a lot of money. Right. Well, I would run across them things every once in a while. The people that had all these years. Mm-hmm. And do you know that, that as late as 1985, they were still honoring those things? Folks was getting $12,000 funerals for, for that nickel a week. They were contractually bound. But the one I wanted to tell you about, we also had those home service, but I'm sure y'all had them too probably, home service oh, yeah. policies that paid, you know, 250 500 bucks. They didn't pay much. We had right. one that if you passed away, we could go to the funeral home and get them to sign off proof of death. We would pay, I think it was like $250 out of the office. You could get the money that day. Right. So I took a, I took a right. policy over to Hemperley's Funeral Home in East Point, and it was started by Carlos and his wife years ago when she was still alive. She's about 90. And I walked in, and she was pecking on an old Olivetti manual typewriter. Man, the thing was big as a boat anchor. And she was <laughs> typing something, had these little half glasses on the end of her nose, and she was one finger pecking on this thing. And I walked in, and I said, Miss Hemperley, I said, I got a form here. I need to get proof of death on whoever it was down the hall. And yeah. she took it and put it in the typewriter, and she pecked around a while. And finally, she signed it and handed it back to me. And I sat there, and I looked at it, and it said, cause of death, she had wrote down heart trouble or typed heart trouble. 
and right. I and I was a new agent. I didn't know, you know, how accurate this stuff had to be. I said, Miss Hampley, I said, this lady did not die of heart trouble. I said, she had an aneurysm. Mm-hmm. And I'll never forget, she pulled them glasses down to the end of her nose and looked over at me, and she said, son, she said, when your heart quits beating, everybody has heart trouble. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, well, yes, ma'am, and I went on about my business. <laughs> Can't argue that one. That's yes, true. sir. Couldn't argue with her. <laughs> wow. Oh, yeah, i tell you. I went with another agent to another funeral home over in Hateville, and walked in, and he told the guy over there, he said, we need proof of death on this fella. He said, follow me. He took us down the hall, and he opened the door, flipped the light on, and this guy was naked on the embalming table. He said, there he is. <laughs> he said, how much more proof you need? God. <laughs> you know. God. Oh, man. That was proof. Oh. Okay. Hmm. Yeah, that debit business was something else. Oh, yeah, it you was. Had people with uh, nickel policies, diamond. You had to go every week. A lot of people had weekly policies. Yes. And you'd have to collect for them that nickel or that dime every week. Yep. Every week. And they'd see you coming to the front door, and they'd go out the back door. <laughs> I mean, it. some That's of them, it. you just, I mean, it was awful. <laughs> I mean, really. It's like the rent-to-own yeah. business. Oh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. When I, I learned that uh, in the, when I was in the rent-to-own business and was was trying to collect or, or repossess or whatever, that uh, certain people uh, raised their kids. The, the first thing, the words they taught them to say was, "They're not here." That's it. <laughs> you roll up and before you could knock on the door. There'd be a, there'd be a three-year-old sitting on on the front porch, and they said, "They're not here." <laughs> you didn't even get, get anything out of your mouth. That's right. Well, she, well, said, well, she said to tell you she's not here. Okay, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, it's funny. You tear, you tear your car up, man. I'm in that David business. I ain't kidding you. Did y'all have computers, or did you have to call your books every week? I had to call them every week. Oh God! Yeah, yeah. I had to call. Everything them every had week. gone computer with Liberty National, so we didn't. We was able to, you know, they would. Your sales manager he'd he'd audit your books maybe once a month, but you know it, it wasn't. It wasn't that nonsense of having to call in yeah. books every week. Yeah, we had to call them every week, man. That was like, when I feel like I when I got broke in '81, and you, United Home Life, we had to do that. Uh, Atlanta Life had to do the same thing. They had to get call those books every week. Oh. Uh, well, that business. Yeah, you know, I don't even think. I don't even think. Is there any debit business still out there? Are they all got? <clears throat> I think they, I think they've all gone under. Um, yeah, unless they built a life still. I hadn't heard anything said about them. They were the only one I knew that was still had devil. I think they went under as well. So, hmm. yeah. Well, I can't say that I miss it. <laughs> 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 I mean, no, I, would, I don't. 
I know. I went. I had a per a lady. It was a family. Their house burnt down. Half the house burnt down, and they were living in the other half. And I mean, I felt guilty going out there to get this insurance money. These people were. I mean, it was awful. You'd go in and you was afraid to ha- it smelled like burnt wood and, and you were scared to death that the house was gonna cave in. And uh I mean they, these people, you know, they just thank goodness they they believed in it, but it was just it was awful. And it, 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 did you have any dogs you had to contend with? Like lap puppies. Uh, he dropped off, Bobby. Oh, man, I lost him. Yeah, you'd go in these houses, yeah. and these people would have these dogs, and they would go in the other room to get the money or whatever, and these dogs would, would want to, you know, you're wearing a suit. They'd want to crawl up in your lap or crawl all over you or, you know, whatever. You, you know, it was. <laughs> we, learned, we learned you could hit them on the nose with an ink pen. They'd leave you alone, but then if you got caught, so many people like them dogs better than they like their kids. Oh, yeah. Oh, well, I guess we lost everybody, so I guess it's about that time. Oh, there's Greg. Greg's back on. Let me put him back on. There you go. Yeah, I just said he's back with us, Greg. Phone, yeah, back with you. Your phone just went out. Did you, did you, I asked a question, you was gone. Did you have to deal with any dogs? Let's see. Like these little house no, puppies, these people love better than their kids. I think I had one or two I had to deal with. Mm-hmm. About one or two. Other, the rest of them that have, if they had them, they had them outside in the back, you know, chained up. But I think I had one or two uh, families I had to go to. They had dogs, little bit of dogs and stuff, you know. And they want to get all over you. You're wearing a suit. They want to get exactly. all over you. And, you know, I was <laughs> telling Michael, we learned, my sales manager told me, he said, take your ink pen and just hit them on the nose, and they'll leave you alone. Well, that's good until you get caught, because them people like them dogs better than they did their kids. Exactly. Oh. That's a fact. That's a fact. Well, guys, we're going to wind it up. And, uh, Greg, I appreciate you joining us, and I'm, I'm, yes. I'm Thank glad we were able Thank to, you. to remember Thomas. Bobby, I wish I'd known him better. I only had the opportunity to meet him a couple of times. And yeah. The first time I met him is when you guys came to, uh, we were still doing the our little get-together here at Faith Baptist Church. He came to Faith, yep. Came in down there. Right. Yeah. But, uh, well, thanks, guys, for having me, man. I appreciate it, man. And thank you guys for you know, honoring Thomas tonight. And it's so good to see you, Bobby, you, Charlie. Hey, I didn't see you, Mike. Uh, like I said, when I when I sat down, I'd never look back again. And then when I walked out, I didn't see anybody else. You know, you know, I didn't see. I, I don't know if Charlie, you and I mean, probably you and Charlie had left. Or, no, uh, we were there. We, we everybody got out, and then we we had parked on the opposite side of the building from the uh, where they took Thomas out. So we okay. uh, yeah. we had an appointment with the Smoky Pig Barbecue as soon as it was over. So we <laughs> we headed on over there. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was it was really good seeing you guys, man. And, good seeing uh, you. Hate I didn't get to see you, Mike. But I'm I'm sure we'll. No, that's all right. I, 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 uh, I had tried to walk in with my canes and I I blew up and and uh, was leaning up against the wall and one of the, the deacons at church 
was good enough to go get me a wheelchair, and they had a certain place where they had uh, they put people in wheelchairs. So I was on the other side of the thing, I, and it, the thing they had those nurses handing out tissues. And I told Smitty on the way out, I said, "It's good of them to have a nurse here just in case you uh, you those fell out." Nurses, <laughs> man, they're ushers. <laughs> <laughs> they were dressed like nurses. Oh, yeah. Let me, let me tell you this right quick before we go. I know we got to go. They sent me and Smitty over there, and they, they, we, we were actually sitting in the family section, and they asked us to move over. And when they took us over, of course, poor Smitty can't hear, they set us down among, there was three or four of these, I could tell they was church women, you know. And I right. sat down, and the first thing I said was, boy, they got me amongst these good-looking women. I am at home now. And I guess that one next to me fell in love because she talked to me the whole time. She <laughs> told me who everybody was and who was kin to who. and So, so I had to play by play. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty, that's pretty good. <laughs> so. Oh man, gee whiz. Greg, well, I'll be in touch, but we're gonna have a get together here probably um, sometime between the, after Mobile, which is the second week of March, and the second week of April. So somewhere in there, we're gonna have a get together, and I'm gonna make sure you get an invite, and hope you can come down and be with us. Please do, man. I love to. I, I hate I didn't make the last one. It just slipped my mind. And, and when, when Ranger called me, I said, "Man, I said I can't." But I, I please, just, just let me know. I, I'll do my I will. Make I'll, I'll make sure I get the word to you. Okay. Thanks a lot, guys. Mike, right, Bobby, guys. love you guys, man. Y'all have a good night. Love, you, love you, man. You too. All right, Greg. Love, love you. Take right, care. Love, take care. Love you guys. All right. Take care. Bye bye. All right, Bobby. Well, that's it for this month. We'll get together again sometime. First of March, and we'll do. Uh, I guess we'll pro- we'll probably wait till after the Mobile thing. Mobile is the. Uh, uh, it's not the first Friday and Saturday because that's Mardi Gras. It's the second week, so right. maybe do it to Thursday after we can have a reunion report. So that'll be good. Yeah, we'll, we'll do that. All right, then. Well, everybody, thank you for listening, and uh, we'll uh, we'll get together next month, and we'll do this one more time. Sounds good. Good night, man. All right. Good night. Thank you for listening to this broadcast, a production brought to you by the GWH Radio Network. Stay tuned to GeorgiaWrestlingHistory.com for the latest information on upcoming events and more. As always, we thank you for your continued support. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.